What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast, the only show specifically created to help you love and lead your family from the front, from this place of opportunity and excitement and passion and fulfillment, but all at the same time, still pursuing your own personal and professional goals as well. That's the balance we are trying to strike. That is the problem we are trying to solve. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you've been here every step along the way, thank you. Thank you for dedicating your time, for giving your time, your attention to this show. It's something that I take very seriously, and my goal is to steward that time and attention well, to give you the best return on that time and attention as I possibly can. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting our mission. I can't thank you enough. So before I introduce this week's guest, quick plug for our Dad the Man Facebook group. You can find our free Facebook group. Go within the, the group section on Facebook. Search for Dad the Man. You will find us. You can also go to the link in the show notes on whatever platform you are listening to this show. Click the link. It'll take you right there. Like I said, it's totally free. No excuse not to come join us. You know, as men, husbands, and fathers, we face a unique set of obstacles and challenges. But you know what's really cool is that as men, husbands, and fathers, we all face a very similar set of obstacles and challenges. But we don't realize that all the time. So what we've done is we've created this Facebook group to help us as men, husbands, and fathers go through these these unique obstacles and challenges together. There is no point in trying to figure this all out alone. There is no point in trying to do that. It's not wise to try to do that. So come join us in the group. I'm not telling you we've got all the wisdom, but I'm telling you there's a group of guys there ready to support you, ready for you to lean on, to learn from, to pour into as well. Come find us. Come find our group. Come find us on Facebook, Dad the Man Facebook group. I want to see you in there. Hope to see you soon. So today's guest is none other than Kelly Sturette. Dr. Kelly Sturette is a coach, physical therapist, two-time New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author speaker and co-founder of The Ready State, which is the world's most comprehensive collection of guided movement mechanics and mobility instructional videos. The Ready State began as MobilityWad back in 2008 and has gone on to revolutionize the field of performance therapy and self-care. Kelly's clients include professional athletes in the NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB. He also works with Olympic gold medalists, Tour de France cyclists, world and national record-holding Olympic lifting and power athletes, CrossFit Games medalists, ballet dancers, military personnel, and competitive age division athletes. Kelly and his team have been featured on 60 Minutes, The View, Joe Rogan Experience, CBS Sports, Outside Magazine, Men's Health, Men's Journal, and dozens of other podcasts, magazines, and books, including Tim Ferriss' The 4-Hour Body and Tools of Titans. Needless to say, Kelly is that dude, and he's widely regarded as the best in the world at what he does. He's laid back, he's humble, and you can hear the respect he has for his wife and his daughters radiating through everything that he speaks about in this conversation. For a guy who is successful as he is, he is so humble and so deeply rooted in his values. But above it all, he's an incredible man, husband and father, and it was an honor to host him on the show. So here's my conversation with the Kelly Starrett. And we are live with New York Times bestselling author and co-founder of The Ready State. With us today is the one and only Kelly Starrett. Kelly, thank you 
so much for making some time for us today, man. So pumped to have you here. Welcome to the Dead the Man podcast. Uh, totally my pleasure. We're going to talk about diapers. We're going to talk about how much <laughs> bourbon is too much bourbon, like you know, how to stay married. I think this is the greatest podcast topic of all time. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you here, man. So we'll definitely get to those things. But where I want to wade in is I want to go way back. I love to wade into these conversations at the beginning. I want to get to know who you were um, as a child. So tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, about your childhood, where you grew up, family dynamic, things you were into. Give us a little color into where you came from. Holy moly. I, th- I appreciate you starting there. Um, classic divorced family, single child. My dad was, uh, for all intents and purposes, his past, but he was the great Santini. He was like the college quarterback. Uh, he flew F-4s in the Air Force. He was just this wild pilot. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was tough. You know, he, there were four generations on the Starrett side. Um, great grandfather Oscar was a first generation um, immigrant uh, from County Cork. And uh, so County Cork, Ireland to Seattle became a cop. And there's a lot of drinking there. And then Jack was, you know, became a physician and a drinker. My dad, same. And uh, so there were four generations of bad, who knows how far back the, the, the relationships go, but four generations of tough father-son interactions and a lot of alcohol there. And um, so my parents divorced when I was two. My mom is this total savage. She uh, raised me on her own, went and got her PhD, and then moved me, moved us to Germany when I was about six uh, or about seven, right before seven. And um, the idea there was there was she wanted to get us out of, of the United States. That's think of it like early 80s. Mm-hmm. And we uh, the dollar was really high in, in Germany and she had some friends there. And she just finished her PhD and was just kind of grinding it out as a single working mother, which, you know, people can relate to being a single parent. And uh, we ended up finding this little hamlet in this little Bavarian mountain town. And it was just like, I was basically enclosed by a valley on three sides. And, uh, you know, in that way, I think my mom found some real reprieve where I had to be home by the sixth bell of the local church, you know, in this little Bavarian mountain village or dark, depending on what the season was, <laughs> we'd switch. Yeah. And I could ride my bike everywhere and I was totally free. And I was, we'd run around the mountains and we had all the sports available to us. We all played soccer. We all skied. We all biked. We all kayaked. We all, we did every sport. We played basketball. We, any sport that we could play, we played. And that was my childhood growing up. I mean, my school got out at noon and we skied. It was right there where they had the 72 Winter Olympics on Wednesdays. Um, we had a ski team. And then I came back to the United States. My mom remarried to an army doctor. And I came back to the States when I was a freshman in high school. So that was really my childhood was partnership with my mother and I probably had, you know, a little bit too much insight into what being an adult was. And, um, but I had that kind of total freedom protection, but missing father figure really did not have a thing. Mom had some great boyfriends, of course, but that's not the same thing as someone to say, this is what it looks like to become a man. Mm -hmm. This is what it looks like. And, uh, you know, um, always a tricky relationship with my father. He died estranged because he just, you know, couldn't wrap his head around, you know, getting sober and ultimately, you know, appreciating that Rob Starrett was just trying to self self suit. He was, my father was, was using all of the, the means available to him to just deal with his anxiety and the trauma of his youth. So that was my childhood. I went to Boulder, uh, some, some high school in California and Virginia went to Boulder for college 
And then afterwards was racing kayaks full-time, basically racing on the national team. Mm -hmm. And uh, I happened to go to Chile for the world championships for whitewater paddling. And I met my wife, Juliet, in 2000. And uh, immediately just saw my future. Just had a moment of tutorial. I was like, well, this is the woman I should spend the rest of my life with. So she was living in San Francisco. So in 2000, I moved here, followed the girl, Sasha Lafemme, and uh, and then have been in the Bay Area ever since. So that's really sort of the 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 piece. And you know, I became a kayak rep after the national team, and was out surfing in 2000 at Ocean Beach, and had a moment of tutorial and realized I needed to go to PT school because all the things that I was interested in were sort of, you know, aggregating into a, a whole, they were coalescing sport, performance, nutrition, injury, all of those things. I sort of recognized that physio would be the, the entree into a world that where I could do that full time. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's a, that's a great story. A lot of good things to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, the, for the, sure. The, one of the main things there that I really want to dig back into is you mentioned the, the lineage of father son relationships and your family going back four plus however many generations, right? You mentioned that you didn't have that example of what it really looked like to be a man, to be, to be a, to really be a man. Like what is masculinity? Did you ever have anybody really step in and be that person for you? Or is that something that you almost just learned through the inverse of, Hey, I've just seen what not to do. What was that like for you? Well, it's, you know, what you have to understand is that you're going to solve that problem for yourself, no matter what, you know, I didn't, we didn't have any formal rites of passage necessarily. Um, you know, on some level, I was a boy scout. I was an Eagle scout, believe it or not. And there was a lot of constant conversation and just grew up in Germany until I was 15, constant conversation around what is leadership? What does fellowship look like? You know, the as cheesy as the scout law is or the scout motto, those things really, you know, ended up you know, being something you talked about a lot. You know, what does it mean to be trustworthy and to be a member and a follower and a leader? So I had some programming there and some sort of, you know, guidelines. Again, I had a really strong mother, which who was, you know, into travel. And, and um, I think one of the interesting things is without having that father around you are forced to ultimately decide on your, your own, what, what you're going to look like. And I would say that I, to the extent that I'm a good father, a bad father, a good partner, a bad partner, I owe, you know, 99% of that to my partner who's, you know, Juliet, who's helped shape me into becoming the kind of person that I really like and the kind of person that I think is, uh, you know, that our family needs. You know, yeah. so you're going to solve that problem, whether you have a model or not, you're just, uh, if you don't have a, a clear model to follow, you're going to have to create your own model and, and make little tweaks along the way. And it's easy to step on the rake for sure. So where were you in this, this whole journey when the, I guess, when you brought your first kiddo into the world, you mentioned the kids kind of helped you shape that. Talk to me about that. Well, you know, Juliet and I were, uh, we met in 2000. We were in, I think we we're about 26, 27. So mm -hmm. I was 26, Juliet was 27. And um, our first uh, kiddo was born in 2005. Is that right, Jay? Jay, 2005? Yeah. And so we got married in 2003. Um, first kiddo came around in 2005. And, you know, Juliet and I already um, had started, had, you know, had a business going. You know, we started a business right around the time I was in grad school. Juliet had already come out of grad school and was a, an attorney. And, you know, there was a lot of conversations for us about, you know, Juliet as a child of divorce and, 
you know, what does it, we want our family to look like? So we had a lot of conversations about the things we would not do, you know, and I, yep. I think an easy thing was to, you know, I sidestepped a lot of the self-soothing mechanisms. Again, you know, if we look at coping strategies as, um, you know, alcoholism, um, substance abuse as ways of self-soothing, not as moral issues. Yep. Juliet and I had some really good ways of coping that we love to train. We love to exercise together. And we were, you know, highly simpatico. Juliet's a three-time world champion athlete. She's a paddler. You know, we, you know, she's the greatest training partner I've ever had. And so there was a lot of on board of this is what we're not going to do. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> we're going to stay married and see if we can not fuck up one generation of kids because like we just go back there's so much divorce through our family we can see the just the ripples of traumatized and look some people need to get divorced we totally get that we're not saying that you need to be in a loveless awful abusive marriage but for us we really liked each other and just made a commitment to you know uh be very meta about the way we were going to raise our kids mm -hmm. and so uh you know the the thing is like everyone else who can appreciate when your first kiddo comes along, there's no perfect time for that. You know, you're not going to be rich. Right. You're not going to have help. And it's going to be, you're going to basically be juggling chainsaws and someone's going to throw a Wolverine <laughs> into the act. And you're like, okay, well, I guess this is our life now. And it is gnarly for young families to build wealth and buy a home. And, you know, there's a lot of things there. And what you, what you realize is that who do you talk to about that? You know, and the person you have to talk to about the most is your partner, whatever yeah. partnership that looks like, dad, dad, mom, whatever, whatever it is, you have to be constantly discussing that. And I think that's one of the one of the strategies that Jill and I have gotten good at is that we're in constant negotiation. Negotiation is the right word, but constant conversation about where we are with our kids and how we're doing and how you know we're doing and how we're doing with our kids. Yeah, that's that's really in line with a piece of advice that my wife and I were given before we got married, we did some like pre-marriage counseling with the mm, pastor married us. And at the time I was like, what's he going to, what's he going to tell us? That's really, Correct. you know, whatever. I was like 24 years old. I was a little naive, but he told us, he said, if you're going to do this, you have to remove the word divorce from, from your vocabulary. He said, if you're sitting here in good faith, looking at each other, you love each other. You're going to treat each other. You've got to treat each other. Well, you've got this good understanding. Take the word divorce out of your vocabulary. And that's now that's one of the things that I tell every like what you were just saying, like if you can come to that agreement, like you said, take abuse and things like that off the table. When you remove that option of like, hey, that person might leave me, you end up trusting each other more and it removes the other option. So the, the, the one the only real resolution, to any problem is to talk about it. It forces you to have hard conversations. And that's been well, that's, crucial for us. You know, I have uh, married. I've done like 11 or 12 weddings or something like that. And I've sat down with my friends who are getting married, you know, in that role. And I'm like, here's two things, you know, tell me about how you guys have sex. Do you have sex? Are you intimate? And then tell me about how you resolve problems. And, you know, what, what's that look like? Because can you imagine being married to me at age 26? Like, no way. 27. I mean, that guy was a shit show. And, um, and uh, you know, I think Juliet would go back in time and be like, don't do it. You know, that guy has too much growth to do. And, you know, I, if you're realistic about this, um, you know, Juliet is 10x the woman she was, you know, when I met her, you know, mm -hmm. all the, you know, she was just a diamond and I was maybe a lump of coal and need some pressure. But, um, you know, the idea is uh, simultaneously that 
you know, there's a lot of growth and development that's going to happen. So are you going to continue to develop and grow alongside that person? And that's, you know, that's, that's the change. And it's, um, you know, I think, I don't think people realize how, what, uh, you know, I've come to realize that the thing that I, you know, is being vulnerable and accountable that, that really is, is tough, still tough. You know, I'm, I have a gigantic ego and, um, you know, don't have a lot of good modeling for this, but, um, you know, continuing to talk about my feelings and having access to my feelings is important. And then, uh, also recognizing that, you know, Juliet's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. This is it. Yeah. And, um, in that means, that means that, you know, there's a real opportunity to, you know, get to the bottom line, which is, you know, I want to have a rad life. I don't think it's that complicated, but you have to show up a little bit different every day. Right. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, what you're expressing about your marriage, and this is something that I'm very proud of in my own is that, you know, I think when, when you get married, you think I love this person, this person loves me, this, you know, we're going to get married. But what I, I, well, like I said, what I'm proud of and what I'm seeing in, in your marriage or what you're explaining to me is that it's not just that, but it's also like, I love who you want to be as well. Like you're excited to grow with the person. Like there's an inherent understanding that we're not going to stay where we are. Like we're going to do, we're going to do our best. Like it, it's, we're just, we're going to grow and we're going to try to grow in the right direction. And ultimately we're going to try to grow towards each other. And I think when you don't have that escape of like, you know, if things get hard, we're going to run out the door forces you into that. I think that's a beautiful well, look at dynamic. you're you've been influenced by your parents' marriage, whether you like it or not, how they fight, how they solve problems. Did did they get divorced? Have they been divorced three times? I mean, you're going to see all of that. And those it's easy to default to training. You know, you have to be very conscious and, you know, keep your hand in the box. I don't know if you've seen Dune, but, you know, it's the box is full of pain and the test is crisis and observation. And you can, you know, look at that as the crisis is man, we got to, you know, schedules collapsed. Someone's got to go to the store. We got laundry to fold. That's, you know, how are you going to handle that mm-hmm. and, and manage all of that? And, you know, and, and still maintain intact and protect and, and nurture the person you're there. You know, yep. if, um, you know, I think there was a time where I was, you know, starting to get cooking and physio and, and our businesses. And, you know, and if you'd asked me, you know, what was important, you know, I, I would have said my family's important. My wife's important. I want to change the world of physical therapy. I want to, you know, now all of that, the other things are horseshit. It really is. It's all about, does this get me more time with my family? Does this decision we're making get us more time together as a family? I mean, Juliet and I are continually trying to work towards the day where we get in our sprinter van mm-hmm. and our critically poor you know, you know, dirtbag river guides again, that's our dream is to become, you know, but this time with health insurance and 401k and no student loan debt. I mean, it really is. That's really our goal. Yeah. When did that switch for you? Like, when did you have that moment of like, I've, yeah, 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 I've got family, but this is what I'm really focused on. When did you flip to like, yeah, yeah, I've got my family, but like, that's it. Uh, you know, I think in, um, in, 2010, um, you know, Juliet suggested that I get some counseling to talk about just family trauma and anger mm-hmm. and uh, being able to really start to think differently about my own process and how I was reacting. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, my wife was smart enough to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'll always be here. But, you know, I think we could really stand to talk to someone. You could stand to talk to someone about, you know, how you're solving problems or how, you know, you know how you haven't recognized that these traumas as growing up are just, you know, ghosting into, you know, 
your issues. And for me, you know, I, I had this wonderful defense mechanism called dissociation where I could put the door down over my heart and just go grind, go to bed, you know, deal with my anxiety. And that's the same set of tools. And this is crucial for me is it was the same set of tools that allowed me to take big risk, paddle class five, you know, line up in the world cup, you know, huck myself off waterfalls, um, you know, start my own course, you know, decide to go to PT school, all of those things that that ego dissociation, putting anxiety to the side does not serve you when you need to, you know, be vulnerable and listen and uh, mm-hmm. recognize what your partner needs. So um, that really was the switch. And now, you know, unfortunately, I feel a lot of anxiety sometimes. I don't get nervous anymore, but I have these these feelings of anxiety because they're called feelings. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten to touch with my feelings, it's made me a much more empathic, better person to be around, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, once again, I'll just point back to my wife as the, the partner. I, you know, I'm probably dead in a ditch somewhere without Juliet. We're living in a truck still. <laughs> Um, I, I feel a little bit personally convicted. I feel like you're talking about me last night or this, this whole past weekend. My, my, let me back up again. My wife and I have been trying to adopt. We've been trying to grow our family through adoption. We've got two uh, kiddos now. We're trying to adopt our third. And um, it's been, I mean, it's a grind, man. It's been like 15, 16 months of, you know, we're putting our heart out on the line and then you don't get picked and it's back to the drawing board. And we've gone up and down about 40 times now. And it's, it's a roller coaster. It's a test of faith. We're learning a lot. It's been an incredible if you want to take the silver lining personal growth opportunity for us, a lot of hard conversations we've, you know, it's, we've grown in a lot of ways, but just last night we were told no on, on a case that we really thought we had a chance on. We were told we would made it, you know, the mom was going to pick between a couple of, couple of families. Right. So we get our hopes up. We've got the house cleaned up, ready, go bags, ready to get in the car, travel. We've got both our parents ready to help with the dogs, got the whole thing. And then we find out the answer is no. Oh, and man, that's a, that's a lot just emotional, just like, just, it's a, Man, it's a tidal wave. This morning, I got up at 4 a.m. and just started grinding at work and just said, I, I did exactly what you said. I put the door down and said, I'm going to work. And I've, it's funny you say that because before I came out here, I was just talking to my wife and I had the thought like, I, I can't keep doing this. I have, no. to, I have to stop and we have to have a conversation. So tonight we've already talked about it. tonight. We're going to sit down and you know have the midweek glass of wine and, or early week glass of wine, I guess. What's today? Monday. <laughs> Well, it, that's, you know, the, one of the things that Julia and I try to do on the regular is we have what we call a feelings meeting where, you know, we, and look, if you're a young couple who's grinding the feelings meeting, maybe when the kids are down, finally, you need to go outside and, you know, talk about your relationship once a week yeah. or, or more, if that's what it needs or less, you know, if you can do it every other week, because you're just, things are seem to be grinding in the right direction or flowing. But I think that moment where you're like, Hey, you know, let's touch in. And it's not like I need to talk to you, but like, let's touch in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we usually, we're not big drinkers, but we put a drink between us, like you say, a glass of wine, or we, mm-hmm. you know, we have a place where we go get this drink called the after ferry. And, uh, you know, and we sit down and we're just like, how's it going? You know, let's touch base. And, yeah. and that way you can put aside all the, the details of, you know, solving the problems of making lunches and changing diapers and doing all that stuff and really just say, Hey, I see you, you see me, what's going on in your mind. And the only rule is we have no, a no defensiveness rule. You really just can't be defensive. You just really have to listen. And I think what's good about that is it does save a lot of difficult conversations for the feelings meeting. So you can mm-hmm. kind of put those things aside and, and everyone who's married here will recognize that I annoy the shit out of Juliet. I'm sure on the daily, 
but sometimes she gets over it, you know, every day she gets <laughs> over it. And, but if it doesn't get over it, we can talk about the feelings meet, you know? Yeah. How long have you guys been doing that? We've been doing that for about 10 years. Wow. Wow. Um, man, that's, that's amazing. That's something I think I'm going to steal from you and implement. Feelings we're that's, yeah. We're at the stage now. Kids are five and three. So Oof. sleep is, sleep is becoming more regular, but we're not in a spot where we can leave them and go. And, you know, we're not, we're probably realistically just not going to get a babysitter every week, but for us, I think it's just a matter of being intentional saying, Hey, we're going to do it. So like, let's go sit on the back porch or let's go right. sit, sit in a, maybe a room, maybe it's a room in the house. We don't normally sit in. That's right. That's right. I think it's having like some, some type of uh, physical relocation where you're not in the places where you are normally experiencing the, you know, let's just call them the monotonies of that everyday life. Right. Um, yeah. That's, that's something I'm going to steal from you for sure. And uh, I think, I think the intention around that, and then suddenly you're like, Oh, that, you know, Julia and I aren't churchgoers, but that could be the same thing as going to a, a service of some kind and then coming back and talking about it. You just have to have a mechanism in there. And if you need to put it on the calendar, you need to put it on the calendar. Um, you know, cause I think, you know, um, What's cool is uh, if, if you go to Juliet's Instagram, Juliet mm -hmm. Starep, I'm not actually on social media, but Juliet is on social media and you can see our family and things going on. Of course, I make a lot of posts for social media, but that's sort of the business side. But um, you can see us just floating in the pool yesterday. You know, we had yeah. Sunday afternoon, our kids are sorted and we're just in, in the pool, just floating together, just being together. You know, one of the things that I think the feelings meeting or meeting together does for you is it puts you on the same path for a moment in the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Juliet and I really try to do is we don't pick up new sports without the other person. And we really try to do activities together. And look, some couples just don't do that, but Juliet and I love to train together and we love to bike together and paddle and ski. So we have a lot of play together. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you know, name a relationship where you just want to pay bills and grind and there's no fun. And I think people yeah. have sucked the fun out. And I, I remember seeing a, a happiness chart. Basically, you get your peak happiness when you're married and then your happiness tanks when your first kid is born. And it, does, it, it doesn't climb back up to the same level of happiness as when you were married until your kid goes to college. So, wow. of course, it's up and down, up and down, up and down. But that's what the research says around how gnarly it is to grow a family, especially in today's economy where it takes two working families and people are financially stressed and trying to take care of parents. And, you know, so we have a kid who's 17 and one who's about to be 14. And, uh, you know, that is, we're playing a very different game, very much more. You know, we've gone from playing Pong to playing 3D chess with these adults that live in our house. But, um, you know, in so much that we're starting to see, wow, we're, we're really close to just being J-Star and I again. Like, you know, I have a kid who's going to be a freshman. So in four years, we're empty nesters theoretically. Yep. And really starting for us to ask, what do we want our life to look like when this phase of our life has changed? Yep. And you better be putting money into that bank because, uh, you know, that, that bill is coming. And yep. you better, you know, have something you want to do. And J-Star and I can't wait to play together. We're just like, we're like, oh, we're going to be follow the Tour de France and we're going to ski and we're going to travel. And, you know, it's amazing. And That's again, a and one of the things I'll say about Juliet and I is we do work together. She's the CEO of our companies. Yeah. And so- Can you tell us a little bit about that? What's that dynamic like of, hey, we work together, we're married. What's the balance like? What's, what's that like for you guys? 
Um, really the only true thing is we try not to get into heavy business conversations late at night, right? But there's no on and off necessarily between our family life, working life, business life. And part of that's because we don't have traditional jobs with the ready state. And we owned a gym for 16 years. Um, you know, what I'll say is I can't imagine doing this with someone else, like in any other way. I mean, working, I've been working with Juliet for so long now that I can, there's no other way I could even imagine. And I, you know, I laugh, I tell her all the time. I'm like, look, you have health insurance and 401k and no student loan debt and you're smoking hot and you're so fun and yeah. you love to paddle and boat and ski and climb and you're really good. And you love to, you know, CrossFit and, you know, and she's like, Hey, I'm also the, you know, fun and amazing partner. I'm like, Oh, I haven't gotten to that part yet. And um, so I don't know if there's an edge. One of the reasons edge to where it starts and stops. One of the great things about Juliet and I is, um, you know, we have real different roles in the company. You know, she is a CEO, like snake mind. I mean, like wolf brain, like she can do, you know, she is that hyper CEO and she sees things that I can't even see. And that's, that's really, I think it, it was an important, you know, realization for me was that early on when you're a young man, you have a sort of vision for yourself. And if your wife pushes back at all, or is like, Hey, have you considered this or look this, it's easy to be defensive because the, like she doesn't understand the vision or, you know, and when I really had come to realize that Juliet could see like in a whole different energy spectrum than I could see. So we're looking at the same thing. She's perceiving ultraviolet and the background and the materials. And I'm just looking at the picture, right. And being like, we need more trees in this picture. It was really coming to understand that Julian and I had real different perspectives on things mm -hmm. and that together made us really unbeatable. You know, like there's a lot, I have a lot of friends who have small businesses like ours. I'm not, I'll put in quotation marks small. They can be really big business. And they're like, you know, they're like, we, we talk about business and, and ultimately it comes down to, I'm like, oh, you know what you need? You need Juliet. Sorry. There's only one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So go, go find your own Juliet. So there, it's really, um, I, there's, this doesn't work without us working together and it's more fun to do that. Yeah. What's so cool. Listen to you talk about that and unpack it is just the way you, you so much honor her. And it's really cool. Like I, like we've never met before. I'm just looking at you over the computer screen and I can see the level of appreciation that you have for her. And I can see just a glimpse into, you know, the fruits that you guys are yielding as a result of pouring into each other over the years. And it's really cool to sit here and to see that. So I want to ask a question kind of, I guess on the contrary to that, is there anything that you guys maybe struggle to communicate about or anything that you guys find yourselves, maybe not button heads on, but maybe things that may cause a little friction that you guys find yourself working through a little bit more. Is there anything that comes to mind in that regard or is everything uh, perfect? No, no. I think it's all those standard things. Um, you know, uh, Juliet, again, um, her defense mechanisms, her, her strategies were she can outwork anyone. She can, you know, she is a superstar and, my defense mechanisms were like, I can just shut it off. So we're both recognize, we both recognize that those are our superpowers, right? Those are the mm -hmm. things that allowed us to get here and sometimes don't serve us well. But, um, you know, Juliet sometimes feels more anxiety about things because she's a mother. And, um, you know, and sometimes I feel less anxiety about things because I'm just a bro. And, um, you know, so we're those negotiations and recognizing that that's, that's okay. That's part, that's part of the plan. And, um, you know, 
um, it, it's always going to be the same level of, you know, how do we manage our difficult families? You know, that, that, and, that, and oftentimes the friction, I think Juliet and I feel isn't between us. It's between us and the world, you know, mm-hmm. like us as a dyad and the world, um, you know, the, the real key, I think for me is shifting is this is such a long game. And I've got, come around to a place where, you know, I'm 40, we turned 49 this year. Um, Juliet's already 49. I married a mature, more mature woman. Um, but who else would take me? I mean, I, I have to play at a game now where I'm like, Juliet is the only person in my life who could make, continue to make this rad life that I have work. So if I mess that up or I'm not working hard, that's totally on me. And I just, you know, I can't drive Juliet away. That's like, I, I now I am beginning to play a little bit of fear in my life because uh, there's only, you know, there's no J star. There's, you know, I just, I don't know what happens to me. Yeah. Healthy level of fear isn't the worst thing in the world sometimes. No, I think I definitely am. You know, that I would say is, you know, I don't, I don't make decisions out of fear. Like, but you know, I'm like, holy crap, I got, you know, this doesn't work. I'm screwed. Yeah. It, so it, help, I it make, helps navigate that decisions. line. Fear yeah, and respect, sure. right? For sure. Um, and you guys have two teenage daughters? We have two teenage daughters who are badass women. They are so, so rad. And um, because I think J-Star and I are, you know, we are, you know, we kind of keep a joke book in our head, um, like stuff we will not do that our parents did to drive us crazy. Right. And uh, so we're, we are trying to be, you know, it's funny. We, um, I think, uh, have the reputation as being the strictest parents. And then Jill and I are like, we're not the strictest parents. We're just, we just have guidelines, like get, get good grades. Don't drink, like, you know, <laughs> do what you say you're going to do, be a part of the family. And, but what's happened is we have really interesting pre adult children who, you know, we really like to hang out with. So as a family, you know, I think, some families really struggled in COVID to hang out together, mm-hmm. which really, you know, if, if COVID was a test, really gnarly test and God forbid, you know, some family members passed because that's super gnarly. Um, we were lucky in that we, you know, had to deal with remote schooling and all of that and the trauma of our kids not being in high school and wearing masks and all the trauma. Um, but we really liked each other as a family. And so, you know, the test was COVID. I think we passed because we, we, I think we came out of that situation as a tighter unit. So, um, you know, I think that's really, you know, where they say, if you, if you think you're enlightened to go spend a you know a week with your uh, in-laws, you know, if you think you're <laughs> super enlightened to go take a road trip with your family yeah. and uh, I'm stoked to be around my family. So our girls are continuing to become more and more interesting. I describe the oldest as a cruise missile. She's just, she's going and I, you know, no problem. She's going to be killing it. And our younger daughter is like a rocket strapped to a comet. Like I have no idea where she's going, <laughs> but she's going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, might be stereotypical first born, second born there. I, I could, I could see, I could attach those labels to my two as well. I, it's, it's definitely possible. Um, you know, and I, I think Juliet would say we would have a lot more kids. Um, we had two tricky births, you know, and, uh, and, uh, I think if we could have a kid come out, that was our kid at age two. We just right through diapers done. I think we would have six kids, you know? Yeah. But we're uh, lucky we have two. Tell me a little bit about some of the, you, you mentioned the guidelines when they're growing up. I'd be interested to hear a little bit about your, some of the specifics, maybe in your philosophy and parenting, maybe around like 
discipline and maybe the, the hot button issues, the things that did get you ticked off as a dad. Can mm. you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, you know, um, we just did a, our first podcast as a family uh, oh, cool. for one, one of our friends who uh, it, it, they have a brand X kids. They have a, they have a methodology of training children and are some of the best in the world at strength conditioning and, and motor development, movement development for kids. And um, Jeff and Mickey Martin had our whole family on. It was interesting to ask the girls what they thought about you know, being a starette in this family. Cause you know, let's be honest, they have sort of an underachiever father and a very high achieving mother. And uh, you know, there's pressure to be, what, what does it mean to be a starette? And um, you know, I think, you know, Georgia has said, you know, the expectations are that you're going to handle, there's not a lot of, you know, like you need to make your bed and you need to be busy and you need to have a full rich life and do your job. And doing your job is getting good grades that are at the, you know, the limits of your ability. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we've always said to our girls, you know, particularly our oldest, you know, smart girls have the most fun, which means you don't have to be smart. But if you can play this game well and handle this piece and see the matrix for what it is around, you know, do we care that you're the best in school? No, we care that you see school as the limiting factor to your next choice, mm -hmm. limiting factor, next choice. And, you know, I think, um, you know, we have expectations that our kids, you know, our oldest is a smarty pants and school is pretty easy for her. Um, so we expect her to get good grades at a tough school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, if she was busting her balls and, um, you know, only getting B's, that'd be fine. But, you know, when she's phoning it in and uh, that's, that's less okay. So what happens then is I think we feel really good because we love all the personal freedom we have to give our kids enough rope to hang themselves. You know, we really try to create as much personal freedom responsibility, but that comes at a very different price that our kids have a different interaction with us different relationship, different sort of responsibilities. And I think that, you know, cause you're, if you make your shift, your framework is that you're not raising children, you're raising adults. And the mm. test will be when they go to college, how well do they know how to eat and move and self-soothe and problem solve and develop relationships. I mean, that's the test as a parent. And, um, and, you know, of course, you know, you're going to course correct and the world's going to throw gnarly things up in front of their faces. But if you start raising your kids with that view that you mm -hmm. only get this amount of time before you don't get to help them on their homework every day or help them with the test, then the test is the real test is coming. And I right now it's a long game. We don't know. I mean, who knows if how well we're playing. But right now, I think I really like the way our kids are in the world. And I think they like the way they are in the world. That is an amazing perspective shift that, I mean, that what you just said, that will help me. I know that's going to serve other people as well. I think as parents, especially when they're, I don't, maybe, maybe not, especially when they're little, maybe especially when they get to be into the teenage years, but I, it, I, I get sucked into sometimes like, how are they behaving today? Like mm. I'm so zoomed into like, man, he was just a little shit at the grocery store. What's going sure. on? What are we doing? But to be able to zoom out far enough and kind of flip that around, like you said, like, we're not trying to raise perfect kids. We're trying to raise adults that can handle themselves and to be just contributing members of society and people we want to spend time with. It's that's a massive perspective shift. And if you have littles, um, that's not the same. Like you're going to being littles is gnarly having little kids and uh, it's just full on all the time. <clears throat> but 
wait until you have teenagers. Yeah. Like it's, I think it's 10 X more difficult. And a lot of ways, some of the easy stuff, you're like, Oh, and the easy one, I'm just like, you need to go to bed now. Like, yeah. you're like we're now you're negotiating TikTok and the stakes and Snapchat are high. And, and the stakes are really high. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's easy to see those young developing brains, you know, get, get hosed on some of this stuff. So, you know, there are some of our non-negotiables continue to be sleep. Our kids have to sleep. They need to eat good quality food. Um, you know, I think one of the interesting things is, again, your kids are modeling you whether you like it or not. And um, one of the things that, you know, our, our oldest is a real ninja at baking. Georgia is a savant when it comes to baking. And last summer, you know, we want our kids to work and begin to learn how to you know, manage money and budget and plan ahead and realize, oh, I don't have money for gas. That's the problem is, um, our, you know, she was a lifeguard last summer. And then this summer, I think she realized she's like, I couldn't make enough money as a lifeguard. I couldn't control my schedule as much. I, you know, it's just like a body. Mm-hmm. And we've always said, look, you know, you're going to get paid based on your ideas and your brain. That's ultimately how the world works, you know, unless you're Tom Brady, but even then, you know, there's, there's not many of those. Right. So this summer, our daughter started a subscription baking company called George's cool. Bake Shop. And there's a little commercial bakery mm-hmm. that happens to be grandfathered in 40 year old business. That's 40 seconds from our house. And Georgia has gone over there and negotiated with the little old Ukrainian lady who's in there who runs the shop. And now she has a subscription bakery. And, you know, my, because my wife's the CEO, Georgia had to build a Shopify account and website and Instagram and have a P&L and manage that process. And, you know, again, we're trying to set her up for that next step, mm-hmm. you know, and as her parents, you know, it really is about, saying, well, is this person ready for the next degree of difficulty? So Julie and I are coaches. And if we were coaching you, we might add level complexity or volume or intensity or load mm-hmm. to the barbell or to the movement things we're doing today. And also say, how are you managing this stress and load? And we're see- starting to see that our kids are able to handle another degree of difficulty and, you know, being there and also being very meta about it. You know, mm-hmm. I think Georgia, Julie and I have no problem saying no to our kids And I think one of the interesting things that we've seen is that as parents, you know, look, you're, every kid is going to mess up. The goal is to have your kids mess up in a way that doesn't like ruin their lives, right? It's controlled failure over and over and over again. But we're seeing neighborhood kids, you know, start to rebel against authoritarian regime, you know, and that means they're going out and partying and, you know, like it gets crazy and, and parents start to have real fatigue and as their kids sort of become independent, I think parents drop back. But when's the hardest part of the race? The hardest part of the race is the end of the race. And that's when you're really, you're never going to take your foot off the gas as a parent and as the complexity of being a parent. It just changes the game. And I think people are like have pulled a hamstring and they're limping towards the finish line. They're like, go on without me. I'll be over here drinking and living my own life and let your mm-hmm. kids who are teens work it out for themselves. That's not, that's not going to work. That's a strong metaphor. Finish the race, touch the line. You got to finish the race. Yeah, that's big. There's another point um, underlying in what you were just expressing about your daughter starting the business that I wanted to highlight that I think is really interesting. The fact that the whole thing, her wanting to start the business in the first place to where then she could learn the lessons on how to do the whole thing, right? How to start a Shopify account, manage her money, do the whole thing. That all started with you guys giving her the, I guess, the freedom which then required a responsibility to go make money to then realize that being the lifeguard wasn't going to 
you know, do what she needed to then her brain having to then turn on and say, what can I do better? That's going to be more efficient, more in line with what I want to, you know, spend my time doing. That is so different than saying, Hey, you're going to start a business this year because I said so, because I want you to learn how to do it. Like that dynamic where you guys were able to foster that and allow that to happen organically. Like I'm on, like I've got, I'm on fire right now. Like I want to do that for my boys so bad because I have the <laughs> tendency to be like, we're doing this as a family, damn it. Cause I said, so like, I, 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 well, I, I that's amazing to me. It, you know, I, there are some times where that's what needs to happen. You know, like mm-hmm. no, you know, who wants to eat fruits and vegetables? No one wants to eat fruits Not and vegetables, you know? So, you know, we have to put fruits and vegetables down every single day and remind our kids. And now our kids are making better choices. You have to model it and practice it and practice it and practice it. And some of the yep. things are like, this is what we do as a family. Mm-hmm. This is what it means to be like, you know, you don't have to like squatting, but we're going to go squat because our family knows needs to have squat. Now, Georgia knows how to train and loves to train on her own. You know, she trains with her friends. She, you know, it's, it's a, it's a matter of pride for her to be, you know, she's looking at colleges and she's assessing the weight room as a, as part of the, you know, Hey, I don't think I'd go to the school there. The gym sucks. You know, I'm like, well, that's really, you're right. I wouldn't go to that school either. <laughs> so you know, some of this is very much, um, you know, again, this is what we do. This is what humans do. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do this because this is what our family does, which means we make one dinner and that's what we're all eating. And you don't get chicken nuggets and grilled cheeses if you don't like it. And so we, we do a lot of environmental constraint. So if you want your kids to do the right thing, there was a time where we had to, you know, take the phones and put them all in the kitchen, you know, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you're like, Hey, I don't want you to have this phone all night long and snapping your, you know, your, your hose. And, um, you know, uh, at some point you're like, okay, I think you can manage this and you are managing and you're sleeping. Great. Mm -hmm. So, but when you start to take away or simplify, do you want bananas or do you want strawberries? It's your choice. Do you want broccoli or do you want carrots? You're still going to eat one, but we start to open up those degrees of freedom Mm -hmm. as we go. And then that is the same thing that's happening with life and choice and relationships and friendships and management. And, you know, uh, I can't. Uh, Lane Norton, who's one of my favorite followers in nutrition, bio Lane, yep. um, said recently, he's recently said, he's like, look, you think that consistency for a month is really the thing. He's like, you don't need consistency for a month. You don't need consistency for three months or six months. You need consistency for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. He's like, that's what you guys are all missing about this is that there's not some thing that you do temporarily, it is long game grind decades long. So if you have Mm -hmm. your children for two decades, you know, starting with the out with the outcome, what's the outcome? I want this outcome. Then all you have to do is change the variables to try to keep shaping, pushing towards that outcome. What is it you want your kids to be able to do? Not in this moment, but what is it skill sets do you want your kids to be able to handle later on? You know, and I think that really is just a really interesting, complex game. And you better like the game because it's your life. That's true. You better like the game. That is the game we're playing. That's it. That's the game. You don't get to side stuff out. I mean, like, yeah, your kids go to bed and you're like, okay, let's just decompress with Netflix for a second. Yeah. You know, it's not, there's a time in your life where for sure it's not very sexy to be a parent at all. And it's not sexy to, you know, be married to me, you know, um, (laughs) I'm sure. And uh, in the 
over the long time though, the, the, it is such a long application of that. And I think what you can do every once in a while, even once a week or your touch base, like how are we doing? How do we feel like we're moving in that direction? Are we still having fun? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where the feelings meeting, I think can come into play and really help you. Yeah. And you know, again, did, could I have learned that from any adult man in my family? No, 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 no. That, you know, I, I, one of the good things about um, not having any model is that I don't have any model. Mm -hmm. I'm free. Yeah. But you know, it, maybe it, you know, it came with some, uh, some, some bigger booby traps in there somewhere, you know? Yeah. I, I hope anybody listening, I hope one thing that they will take away is the illustration that you have painted and that if what you just said, if you don't have that model, don't try not to use that as a, as a crutch or an excuse or, you know, your, your get out of jail card, but use that as a blank canvas. You get the opportunity to, to be the dad, the husband that you want to be. And I think you've, I mean, you're, you're an amazing example of that. So kudos to you. And uh, man, thank you for telling that story for us here today. I'm going to be respectful of your time. Move to the last couple of questions here and I'll get you out of here. Do um, it. So, I apologize for everyone rambling. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm really proud of my family and I'm super proud of the relationship I have with my wife. I just feel like right now we're killing it. Yeah. You know, I'm excited for you. I'm, I'm, I don't know if she's, ki- she feels like we're killing it, but we're, <laughs> I feel like we're killing it. I'll tell you what, man, I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in your body language. It's that's for real. I, you, we, we can feel that. Um, so last two questions here for you. The answer to the first question, this cannot be your family because I know that it would be, but Kelly, what are you the most proud of in your life so far besides your family? Uh, I'm proud of the fact that I have some really, really close relationships with other men in my life, you know, and that we like to go do the same things and we're you know, all, all kind of having the same conversations, you know, I'd say again, um, it's all about relationships really is like, that is the thing. And, you know, I think one of the pieces is I, you know, came to know myself physically, you know, that's how I self-soothe through exercise and through scaring the crap out of myself uh, through, you know, adventure boating. And, um, you know, ultimately you're not going to be the strongest, fastest person in the room. You're not going to be the hucking yourself off the waterfalls or the cliffs. So you better have something else and, you know, I would say that Julian and I have some just really stellar, stellar relationships. And uh, we're very, very lucky for that. That That is, if I had to put up my friend group against your friend group, we're going to slay you. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. All right. So let's go to the last question. The last question has to do with the word legacy. So we hear a lot about legacy. We see a lot about it online. We see generational wealth. We see names on buildings. We see all, you know, all kinds of stuff. Mm. A lot of associations, right? I think about legacy, I think about two things. I think about uh, the people that mean the most to me here on earth. And I think about the people that I will leave behind and inherent in both of those buckets. That's where my kids fall in. So I think about my kids when I think about the word legacy. And when I think about legacy, I don't think of, I don't necessarily think about the money. I know that definitely plays a part, but more importantly, I think about like the moments, the memories, the lessons, the little things that they'll remember about their dad that they can then carry on with them to live the rest of their lives. God willing, I'm able to leave them behind on earth. So through that lens, I will turn this around to you and say, Kelly, if I asked you, what would you want your legacy to be with your two girls? How would you answer that question? Um, you know, straight up that they are just good people. 
right? That, that like decent, good, kind people, that's like number one. They'll, they'll work it out. They're going to go through the world doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I saw this quote, Sir Francis Bacon, right? The, the father of the scientific method, um, you know, who is all about really the scientific method is about pattern induction through large data sets. So you see lo- lots of information and you try to derive pattern and understanding. So mm-hmm. that's, that's for Sir Francis Bacon. And he just said, I, I actually screenshot this, no artist knows his own life in his own lifetime, whether what he does will be the slightest good because it takes at least 75 to hundred years before the thing begins to sort itself out. Mm-hmm. So here's Francis Bacon, just the godfather of the scientific method. We're running an experiment here and the end of one family. <laughs> You don't know. So you better play a really good game because if you, the outcomes are too unknown, will we be overcome with climate change? Will we be in war? Will trauma? Ha- you don't know any of that. You can't control any of that. So the, all you're left with is the play of the day. So what I hope is, you know, do Juliet and I have legacy? Sure, that's cool, but that we don't have any control over that. I think what's cool and is people look back and we're like, those two had a great life. Like I don't see anyone's life and I'm like, that's a life I want better than my life. I don't, I haven't seen that. You know, there are people with a lot more money and I don't think that looks happier. And there are people who live in different places. and I don't think that looks happier. I, I think the life that Julia and I are creating and continuing to create is the, is the coolest life I've seen. So you better play really well. And the legacy is how well you played that game during the time, because you just don't know what the outcomes are. It takes too long to truly know that. I think Mm -hmm. you end up putting the cart before the horse where you forget that, you know, did you just do the dishes? Did you, you know, we, my grandfather used to say, you're the, you're the guest or you're the host. I really like that. And Julie and I really try to be hosts, but we always say you're either a guide or a customer, a guide or a non-guide. And guides who are on the river see what needs to be done. You move the groover, the crapper, you do the dish, you make the coffee if you wake up first. And if you had that mentality of how can I make the lives better of everyone in my life around me, especially my family, how do I facilitate a better life where I'm you know, being thoughtful? And, and so they're like, holy shit, I'm so glad I'm on this person's team. If you do that for, I don't know, 60 or 70 or 80 years, I guarantee you, you're going to feel like you really are in a really rad environment. That's amazing. That's a really great answer. Quit, quit worrying about the outcome and let's just live today, right? Let's live, live the <laughs> well, life we want to live, man. That's good. Yeah, that's really that's good. That's right. Uh, well, and, and you know, I think it's easier said than done, right? Because it's a thousand sure. little stupid decisions. Yeah, I know? got a to-do list that's, you know, half the length of my desk here. I do all the laundry in this house. Um, Juliet, you know, pays the bills. She's like, I'm not doing the laundry. I can't do the laundry and pay the bills. Which one do you want to do? And I was like, I'll do the laundry. So I have so much laundry to do right now with three women. Well, I appreciate you taking time away from it to come on here, man. Thank you so much. Seriously, um, I told you before, I know how valuable your, your time is, and it's a, it's a gift to receive it. So tell us this. Where's the best place for us to find you, follow you, find out more about you? If you want to see what's going on with my family, follow Juliet Starrett. Mm-hmm. She on the Insta. We are uh, at the Starrets on TikTok. Yes, we're on TikTok. All right. if, you want to drive your, if you want to drive your kids crazy, <laughs> get on TikTok so that your TikTok information starts showing up on their friends' accounts. That will be, that's the greatest, you know, comeback of all time. And, uh, and then, of course, we are at the ready state everywhere else, you know, trying to help people make better sense of their lives physically, manage pain, do what they want to do. 
And uh, we're at thereadystate.com for more information about you know how to take care of yourself. Awesome. Yeah. The Ready State, I can tell you, I can't speak for the t- the family TikTok, but the Ready State Instagram page is phenomenal. I learned a lot just even in, you know, scrolling myself. Uh, such an amazing resource. I'll be talking a little bit more about that in the intro, but Kelly, thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, man. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.